Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We're starting a brand new series, series called Forgiven. How many loved the fact that you were forgiven? That your sins are all gone. Everybody say all. All your sins are gone. They're under the blood of Jesus. So what that means is, there's a verse of Scripture. It's found twice. Actually, the same phrase is found in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 32. And it's also found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 13. And it says something like this. Forgive even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in to your mind for just a moment. Forgive even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't count our sins against us? Aren't you glad that we are blessed, as it says in Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose sins are remembered against him no more, where his iniquities are forgiven, that we are totally and completely forgiven. Now, if God has told us that we have to forgive even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us, what does that mean? It means that we have to forgive all. Now, that is much easier said than done because we have several enemies in our life. First of all, we have the world. That's why God says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Then we have the flesh, this awful Dr. Ron Cottle, who uh, taught me a lot, said this. He said, we are nothing but an old sorry sack of sarks until we get to know Jesus. Now, what is sarks? Sarks is flesh. It's that old fleshly nature that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Until we come to Christ and the grace of the Lord Jesus covers us. Then we become that pneumatikos. We become that spiritual man that God has called us to be. But we still have to put this thing in subjection. Paul says, I beat my body into subjection. I buffet my body. That doesn't mean you go to the buffet and you pig out. It means you, 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 you have to constantly deal with things in your life. Unforgiveness, I feel, is probably the chief culprit that we have to deal with. The most difficult thing is to forgive someone when you feel justified in your unforgiveness. You feel like, I have a right to hold a grudge against someone because of what they did to me. But do we? Do we? I want you to open your Bibles this morning, and there's a, there's a verse of Scripture that Jesus, uh, he, he was speaking to his disciples, and he said this, and then he followed it up. With, with quite an amazing statement. He said in Luke 17, 1, in the New American Standard Bible says, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks or offense should come. And I think the King James Bible says, it is impossible, but that offenses should come. It's impossible. You're not going to get out of this world without being offended. Anybody ever been offended? You know, couple times you've had someone to offend you. It's impossible not to be offended. But Jesus went on to say, well, woe to that man to whom offenses come. 
It's a dangerous thing to walk around not only living in offense, but there's a saying that is so true, hurt people hurt people. People that are offended sometimes are the most likely ones to offend because they live in a world of hurt. And if you've ever had a sore or anything on your finger, when you touch it, what do you do? You react, you know? And, and I remember one time having this, this thing on my hand, and my brothers were just, they were, they were, they were something else. <laughs> they were older than me. I was the youngest. So they were always antagonizing me. So if I had something, like if I had a sore or something, they would want to come up and touch it just to get my reaction. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times my reaction was just hit them as hard as I could or whatever. And that's what they wanted they, because I was too little to do much damage. But, you know, I learned later on the art of getting an equalizer, but that didn't really work out too good either. So anyway, I need to move on from that, right? Listen, I thought that I was devoid of any offenses in my life. It was a time in my life when I felt like I had it all under control, that there was nobody in my life that I could think of that I had any offense against. That I was just totally devoid of offense, that I was, you know, and, and so often, you know, we judge ourselves, we become self-righteous in so many ways, and I felt like, well, I've got this thing under control. And my wife and I went to Titusville, Florida, to an EFI conference, and there, we heard a man who used to be the pastor of Westminster Chapel in London, England. His name is R.T. Kendall. He began his ministry in Nashville, Tennessee, but somehow or another ended up in, in London. And he wrote a book called Total Forgiveness. And all of us pastors were there at this conference, and he begins to teach on this thing. And, and how many of y'all have ever been in an uncomfortable situation? Well, you just feel like, man, I wish he would shut up because he's just, he's got me cornered over here and I got nowhere to go. And he began to say some things, but one thing he said that really stood out in my mind was that if you constantly are mentioning or talking about the thing that offended you, you have not forgiven it. And I grew up, I thought, was a bad childhood till I've heard some other people, and I realized I had it pretty good. But as a selfish young man or boy, you know, you, you, have, you have expectations of people, and when those expectations are not realized, what happens? You become offended. And, and my father and I didn't have the best of relationships. I thought he should have done certain things. I thought he should have spent more time with me. I thought he should have done this for me. I didn't think he should have disciplined me quite as much as he did. I thought all of these things. And so I became offended at my father. So as a teenager, I developed a, a horrible offense against my dad. And I talked about that. I used it in my testimony as to why I did the things that I did. And, and I used that to justify the things that I had done. And I talked about, and, and man, the Lord just nailed my hide to the wall. And I got out of there. All I could think about is I've got to go to my father. I've got to go to my daddy. And I prayed about it. And, and I went to my daddy and I said, Dad, and my dad had given his heart to the Lord. He, 
I mean, he, for the longest time, I won't even go all the details. I'll spare all that because it's all under the blood. It's all forgotten. But suffice it to say that our relationship had been severely damaged. It wasn't my dad's fault. It was my fault because I was offended. My dad was a hardworking man. He had 11 children. He took in four more children which weren't even his own and fathered them. He was a good man. He worked three jobs in order to keep food in our stomachs and a roof over our head and clothes on our backs. My dad was a good man. Now, when I, when I think about some of the things he did, I begin to realize it now as I grow older. As I begin to see, and, and you know, I can understand completely why my dad did some of the things he did. I would have probably been much worse than that. You know? But Suffice, I went to my dad, and I'll never forget. By this time, my dad was 79 years old. He lived till he was 80, 82. And I went into my dad's house, and I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And he was sitting in his lounge chair, and he, okay. <laughs> and so I got down on my knees beside his chair, and I said, Dad, I said, I need to ask your forgiveness. He said, what did you do, son? I said, Dad, I have lived in offense against you. I've, I've, I haven't totally forgiven you for things that happened growing up. And I want to ask your forgiveness. And I want to ask you to bless me. Of course, my dad began to weep. I never forget. He put his hands on my head in a trembled voice and began to pray for me. And I want to tell you something. I just felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit flood over me stronger than I'd ever felt the Holy Spirit in my entire life. And it was so cleansing. It was just like I was being bathed in the love of God as my dad and I had that moment together. And it changed our relationship from then on. Totally changed the relationship that I have with my father. And I can say today with assurity, my father's in heaven right now. He's in heaven today because he gave his heart to Jesus. And, 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 but for me, it was important for me to go to my father and to make things right with him. Now, I want you to think about that. If you still speak of the offense that incurred in your life, then you have not totally forgiven it. All of us have things that happen in our lives. And sometimes we use those offenses that we have to justify the things that we do because we feel justified in our offense. We feel like, well, you don't know what they did to me. But I want to remind you of the Last words of our Savior when he hung on the cross before he said it is finished. What did he say? He looked at the crowd that was jeering and taunting and, 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 and saying all kinds of evil things against him and, and doubting him and everything else. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Now, when the Word tells us to forgive, even as God in Christ has forgiven us, 
We have to look to that scenario. When Jesus forgave those who did all the awful things again, the ones who beat him, the ones who denied him, the ones who doubted him, he forgave them. Because he realized that they did not know what they were doing. Most of the offenses that happen in our life, the things that we take offense over, most of the time, the person who is the offender has no idea. I've had people to come to me and say, Pastor, I want to I ask you, I want to tell you that I've forgiven you. I'm like, okay. Can I ask you for what? <laughs> well, you said so-and-so, you did so-and-so. And I'm like, well, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I had no idea. And, and so we take offense at things. Things that, and we feel justified in our offense. And, and I had that situation with my father. You see, the Word of God tells us in Ephesians 6, 2, and 3, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long upon the earth. I would probably be dead today if I had not gone to my dad because of that promise that if we honor our father and our mother, it's going to go well with us. And if I lived in offense against my father and mother, how could I possibly be honoring them? It's quiet in here. Now, over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking about several, I will, I will be referring to several books that we have used. The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. If you have not taken The Bait of Satan, if you have not, not taken The Bait of Satan, if you have not... <laughs> have not gone through the series, The Bait of Satan. I pray that you haven't taken the bait. But if you have not gone through the series, I strongly encourage As a matter of fact, if you're going to be in leadership here at Destiny City, it's a requirement. It's a prerequisite for leadership. You've got to go through it. Because if you're living in a fence, there's no way you can effectively minister. So we've got to deal with that. So we're going to be referring to that. We'll refer also to Total, Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. And then there's a book that I am currently reading from Michael O'Shields. And it's called, it's about forgiveness as well. But anyway, we'll be referring to these and several other books. But I'm not going to be teaching the whole series. We're going to kind of share these things because it's so important. But what is offense? When we think about offense, I want you to think about a bait stick. Anybody ever done any any um, hunting rabbits or anything? You know, if you've got a rabbit box... You've got a box about this long, about that big. I wish, I wish I'd have had somebody make me one. And it's got a hole on this end, and it's got a little, you pull up a little thing, and you put a stick on it, and inside, you put bait. And so the animal, the unsuspecting animal will go in and get the bait, and they'll hit that, that stick. It'll drop the, the, the front part of the rabbit box, or the rabbit gum, and trap them on the inside. Of course, we just catch a lot of possums that way, too. Possums will take the bait stick. And we don't want to be like that. But then there, there are the, the ones that use like a, 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 a bent sapling. And this is what this is directly referring to. The word offense is from the Greek word scandalon. Scandalon. It's from where we get the word scandal. And it literally means bait stick. That's what it means. Bait stick. So when we think about offense, think about the bait stick. That's why John Bevere calls the bait of Satan the bait of Satan. When we take the offense or when we're offense, offended at someone and we live in that offense, we are literally have taken the bait of the enemy. 
Offense divides families, it divides churches, it divides nations. I mean, what do you think the Civil War was over? It was about offense, everything. Marriages, marriages are destroyed because someone gets offended. It's funny, I was listening the other day on the radio, and there were the top ten reasons why, uh, you know, couples break up or or marriages dissolve. And, And I was shocked that the number one reason why that was stated was that women, why women leave leave their husbands or leave their their boyfriends is because they have a bad sense of humor. I thought, well, that's pretty stupid. (laughs) That's the world. But anyway, offense, scandal on, a trap stick or a bent sapling. In other words, a snare, a cause of displeasure or sin. Offense, the thing that offends, a stumbling block. And that's what it is. Many walk in offense today, but they're totally unaware that they've taken the bait of Satan or have become offended at someone and are holding on to it. You see, I was unaware that I was living in offense against my father. Until the Holy Spirit shined a light on it, I didn't even know. I thought I was good, you know. I thought everything's cool. I mean, I don't have anything against anybody. As far as I know, nobody has anything against me. I just was just, just in la-la land about that until the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. And a lot of people live in it, and they have a root of bitterness in them that has and is hindering their spiritual growth and their ability to minister effectively as they would like. And it causes them to have a negative effect on those around them. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 15 says, Work at living in peace with everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. And work at living, in a holy, uh, living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look out for each other and see that no one fails to receive the grace of God. What does the grace of God do? It's the outpouring of the love and the mercy of God. And so when we experience the grace of God, it changes us. I remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus, all of a sudden I went from this being this hateful guy to a guy that was just in love with everybody. And that's what the grace of God does. It makes us love each other. So, and, and it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. How many gardeners do we have in here? How many have ever, ever dealt with crabgrass? That's just like offense, that root of bitterness. Until we get it completely out of us, it'll keep coming back. And it'll destroy everything around it. I mean, if you don't take care of crabgrass, it's not, you're not going to have a good garden at all. It's going to totally destroy it. That's the same way with the root of bitterness that grows up in us. And it not only defiles us, but it defiles everything around us. And if we have bitterness in us, we become like the Hatfields and the McCoys. We become generations of people that are bitter. And a lot of times we don't even know why, except that my dad was offended and my mom was offended and my brother was offended and this person was offended. So therefore, if they were offended, then guess what? I'm offended too. We are equal opportunity. Offenders. So bitterness and unforgiveness as a result of of offense is a debilitating spiritual disease and it's contagious and harmful not only to you but to those around you. And if it is left unresolved, it's got to be dealt with if we're going to be holy before the Lord. How can we be holy and set apart before God if we have bitterness and anger inside of us? How can we effectively minister to others if we're overflowing 
with bitterness and offense. James says it like this concerning the tongue. He says, how can sweet water and bitter water come out of the same well? It can't. It can't. So we, we minister out of the overflow of what we have in our heart. And if we are full of bitterness and anger, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the way that we live. And it, it can be present inside of us like a deadly cancer that's eating away at our, at our very souls like a silent killer. And we may not even be aware of it. Jesus said, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. It's impossible, but that offenses should come. You know, when Jesus made that to his disciples, it was then they said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> increase our faith. I mean, we got to have a lot of faith if we're going to deal with offenses in our life. It's one of the most difficult things for us to overcome, but one of, the, one of the most crucial things, I would say it is the most crucial thing that we have to deal with in our lives if we're going to go on in the things of the Lord and be effective in ministry. Deal with that bitterness. Deal with that offense that we carry around in us. So we have to, have to deal with those things. Now, what causes offense. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses would come, but what causes them so often is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. I remember I offended my wife when I first got married. And you know what it was about? I was a bachelor before I married her. And I just did things like bachelors do. I mean, we cleaned up once a year. That's what bachelors do, man. I mean, you know, you've got nobody to have to worry about but yourself. And you become very selfish. And so we were married, and, and we had someone come by, and they wanted to show us a vacuum cleaner for four hours. <laughs> and inevitably, when somebody's there for four hours, they're going to have to go to the bathroom. Well, I had come in and taken a shower. And old, dirty, former bachelor me left my clothes lying in the floor. Well, it was, see, she sees things a lot greater. I mean, it was a deep offense. I'll have to admit it was more than that. But, you know, I went, as a bachelor, I just walk in and do my thing, and I come out, and so I'm good to go and expect to, you know, I'll get to it eventually. But when she left, my wife was very quiet. I'm like, uh-oh. What did I do? And so I began to interrogate her. What, what, why are you angry? Why are you upset? And I thought it would be because I invited someone to our house that spent four hours to sell us a vacuum cleaner. It really wasn't that. It was the fact that I had dishonored her by going in and leaving the bathroom in shambles like I did. And I learned a valuable lesson from that point. Thank God she forgave me. We're still together. We'll be celebrating 40 years this year. So she, she, gave, she, she got over it. But you see, it's impossible that offenses should come. And I'm sure she's done some things that have offended me along the way. It's not that you are offended. That's the problem. It's what you do with it. But it's those unmet expectations. You expect things out of people. If they don't do it, then you become offended. People have expectations of, of, of their children. 
Sometimes the kids don't follow through on them. We get, we get offended at that. You know, we want to deal with them. I mean, that's a cause of abuse sometimes. We husbands and wives get offended at each other because we have expectations. If we don't meet those expectations, we get offended. But there are levels of, of unmet expectations. Now, if you have a, somebody you've just met on the street, you don't know them. You maybe have, have run into each other two or three times. You know each other on a first-name basis. But if they do something that really doesn't meet your criteria, no big deal. I mean, you just met this person, right? So you don't really have any higher expectations than that. So you're more quick to forgive. Now, if you've got someone like your husband or your wife, and they do something that really gets in your crawl, it's much more difficult to forgive because you had higher expectations. Now, let's just take that to another level. What about a spiritual leader? Somebody that you look up to in Christ. Someone who you have entrusted with your spiritual welfare. What if they do something that offends you? In your eyes, you have elevated to them to like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the pastor, right? (laughs) So because they have this high level of expectation, you have certain expectations of them. If they disappoint you or they don't meet those expectations, then it's much more easy for us to become offended. But what about God himself? Anybody ever prayed for something and God didn't answer your prayer the way that you thought that he should? And we get offended at God and we say, you God, your word says right here that you would do it if I pray it and if I believe it. And God doesn't do what we want him to when we want him to do it and how we want him to do it. Then we become offended at God. And that's the highest level of offense. And there's a lot of people that have given up on God because God didn't meet their expectations and they have taken the bait of Satan. You see, when I was going through the struggle with liver disease and I was praying and asking God to heal me, I had expectations that if I went to the right person and they laid hands on me, anointed me with oil, laid hands on me, that God would heal me. Boom! And it would be done. Glory to God. Woo! I'm healed. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. God had another plan. You see, there were some things inside of me that needed to be dealt with. First, I had to deal with those things, and my doubt and unbelief had to be dealt with. And I had to learn to trust God's Word and trust the integrity of His Word. But in order to do that, I had to know what His Word said. So I began to put myself in the study of God's Word, especially concerning the area of healing. And I began to stand on the principles of God's Word. And and you would think, once I got those principles inside of me, boom, it'd all be over. But no, God just did it His way. I didn't even know. One of the things about having hep C and liver disease is you can't see it. It hides away. It's called the silent killer because nobody can see it. Until it manifests itself in your liver. And it had manifested itself. But now I went from a level four and a half of fibrosis down to zero. And now God did it. God did it his way. And he did it because I stood on the principles of his word. 
He sent his word and he healed them. Psalm 107 and verse 20. You see, my expectations were a little bit different. But God, because I didn't get offended at him and say, Lord, why didn't you? I remember what became a revelation to me as I was praying one day. And I was like, God, when are you going to heal me, Lord? When are you going to heal me? God, I want to know when you're going to heal me. Lord, speak to me. When are you going to heal me? And I got quiet and the Lord said, I did. What? Say that again. I did heal you. I sent my word and I healed you. Yeah. See, Jesus himself bore our sins on the cross that we being dead to sins should no longer be in sin. And by his stripes, you were healed I get it I were healed it's already been done now it wasn't that Jesus hadn't healed me I had yet not yet received the fact that he had healed me see God did it his way so one of the reasons for for or the chief reason for offense is what? Unmet expectations. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, verses 12 through 14, he says, For it's not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion and my familiar friend. And we had sweet fellowship together. And walked in the house of God in the throng. Well, after I had, had gotten over this thing with my father, and it was such revelation what Dr. Kendall said at his meeting, I bought his book. And I thought, man, this is so good. i got to teach this. And so he also had, a, had a, um, a, a book that went along with it, like a syllabus. And I got the syllabus, and I taught it. I taught it. I mean, we went through this thing for like 14 weeks. I taught about total forgiveness. We'd gone through the bait of Satan. And I thought, man, now I've got it. But you know what happens when a doctor graduates? What does he have to do? He has to practice first. He's got to go through an internship. Well, I did not know, but God was getting set for my internship. I had no idea. Boy. And the very thing that Psalmist said here, I've experienced it. And I cannot think of a pain that is more painful to have to walk through than people that you love and people you've ministered to and people you've walked along with who have rejected you and have, have slandered you and, and, and the scandal and these kind of things. But we had to walk through that. And, and when you're walking through it, it's no fun. Believe me, it's no fun at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, and I, won't even, I'll, I will spare you the details because I don't want to talk about it because I've forgiven. Amen. Amen. I've forgiven it. And we walked through this situation and this scenario where, where my wife and I and my family, we, it was painful. There were nights that I would come home, and my wife would ask me what happened, and then it would break her heart and she would lie in my arms and cry for hours. And the pain of that and the pain of everything that was going on was just, 
was just almost like David. It's almost more than I could bear at the time we're going through it. Nobody would ever know the pain that it, it caused and the opportunity for offense. Thank God that I had gone through total forgiveness. Thank God that I had gone through the bait of Satan. For now I was living it. I was living it. And the principles that we learned through God's word helped us to be able to bear up under this and to go through it. Not to mention that God had prepared us beforehand about a year and a half before through a prophetic utterance to a prophet. And we're like, okay. So, so when we're going through this thing, it was painful. But here's the thing that I learned through it all. I got a hold of that verse of scripture in Ephesians 4.32. It says, forgive even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So I could in no way hold offense against the people that did these things against us. I could only forgive them. So when we started Destiny City, one of the first things we did, someone sent us $500, which when you're starting a church and somebody sends you a check for $500, I mean, it's almost like going on a shopping spree. You feel like you've won the lottery. And I'm like so excited I get this check, and we just wanted to bless your church. And so I took it, and I said, Lord, what did I do with this? And the Lord says, I want you to give it to the people that offended you. Get behind me, Satan. I said, would you say that again, Lord? I want you to give this to the people that offended you. And so I took it before the congregation, and I told them what we were going to do with it because a lot of the folks had walked through this with us. And so we took the check, and we wrote out a check, and we sent it to the, to the people who had done this to us, and we blessed them. Okay. Now, ever since then, we made it a point to bless to bless. I want to tell you something, folks. It was not easy. My flesh was, was not as cooperative as my spirit. We had, we had attorneys who encouraged us to sue. I mean, it's like, no, that's not the way God handles things. You don't take a brother to court. Are you out of your mind? You don't do these things. What the scripture says is that Bless those who abuse you. Bless those who accuse you. Bless those who say all manner of evil against you. Pray for them. For in so doing, you shall reap heap coals of fire upon their head. It's not that we wanted them to burn up. We wanted to bless them genuinely. And so, we did what God told us to do. And God has been faithful in doing that. Now, I want to take you to to a verse of scripture that is so important. And it's Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30 through 32. And it, it has the verse of scripture that I've been quoting all morning. See, what happened to me happened to me. There was nothing I could do about it. It was just, it's life. Everybody say life. Life happens. And sometimes things happen that you have no control over whatsoever. I examined myself and I said, Lord, what did I do? I didn't do anything illegal, immoral, unscriptural, unethical. I, I, I couldn't figure it out, but it happened. I mean, it just does. And it, but it taught me something. It taught me forgiveness. It taught me to forgive. And I'm sure there will be opportunities in life as I go along in life. I will have other opportunities to get offended. Or I will have opportunities to forgive. 
I can either take the offense, I can take the bait of Satan, or I can choose to forgive. Everybody say forgiveness Forgiveness. is a choice. choice. You can't help but get offended. Jesus said it's impossible, but offense will happen. It will happen to you. The thing of it is, it's not if you will be offended. It's just when you're going to be offended. It happens. But what do you do with it? That's the important thing. Forgive. Now, I want to, I want to teach you something here. So, so this, we're getting right to the meat of the message this morning. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Everybody say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You ever wonder what grieves the Holy Spirit? What grieves the Holy Spirit is when brothers and sisters walk in offense with one another. What grieves the Holy Spirit is when we act nasty toward each other and we don't love each other the way that God wants us to. Because he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, everybody say all. All. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other, and say it with me, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Now, that word forgiven, forgiving, is the word charismai. Everybody see anything in there? The word charis, grace, is to extend grace. Charismai. Now, when we extend grace, what is it we are extending? We are extending something that is not deserved. God extended his grace toward us. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God. So grace is a gift that we give. Even though it is undeserved, we give grace. Charisma means to forgive, and it means to not hold accountable those who offend you. Wow. Anybody ever been forgiven something in court? (laughs) Would be nice, wouldn't it? To go into court, you're found guilty of something, and the judge says, you know what? I'm feeling benevolent today. I'm going to forgive what you did. I'm not going to hold you in contempt. I am not going to, to put you on probation or anything. You walk out a free person. You're free. You're forgiven. Well, that's what it means to forgive. We're guilty. We're guilty. And those who offend us are guilty. But we don't hold them accountable for what they did. We absolve all accounts. We don't keep records of it. We don't keep records of wrongs. We just let it go. Because that's what Jesus has done for you. Aren't you glad he doesn't have a record book somewhere that says, okay, we're going to go back. Let's review your life here. Well, you know, you did this and this and this and this. No, he looks at the cross and he says, I don't see anything against you. There's no fault. Praise God, it's all covered. So we cannot escape the fact that offense will happen. But we can't escape the bait. We don't have to take it. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. I like what the New American Standard Bible says. It says, Be angry and yet... Do not sin. Be angry and yet do not sin. Well, how do you be angry and not sin? Well, Jesus did it. 
Jesus did it, didn't he? He was angry, but he didn't sin. What do we get angry at? I get angry at the devil. I, I don't mind telling you, I hate the devil. But you're not supposed to hate, preacher. I hate sin. I hate the devil. I hate the effects of what sin does. It makes me angry when I see it. it makes me angry when I see injustice. It makes me angry when I see abuse. I mean, I, I, I get angry inside. But do I sin? It all depends on how you handle it. All depends on how you handle it. But do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't let offense be the thing that comes inside of you. And you want to take matters into your own hands. Give room for God. Do not repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. For in so doing, you shall reap coals, fire upon their heads. Yeah? Don't repay evil with evil. Repay evil with good. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? When somebody does something against you, you just, you know, you, you want to do what it says in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do that with all your might. That's Old Testament. Forgive. Forgive. Who, me, offended? We ask ourselves that question. Who, me? I'm not offended. How many have ever had someone stand in your face and tell you that lie? You did something and you know that you didn't meet their expectations. And they will tell you, I'm not offended. All the while, they're boiling on the inside. They've taken the bait. Wow. Offense will come, but how do we deal with it? How do we handle it? I'm going to give you the key word, forgive. Everybody say, forgive. 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 Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. The reason why I wanted to hold communion until last this morning is because communion represents forgiveness. Communion represents what Jesus did for us. In giving of his body to be broken because of the sin that brought sickness and disease into our life. He conquered it. By giving his blood to be poured out, he washed away the guilt and the shame of our sins. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 and 23, he says, For this I received of the Lord Jesus, that which I also deliver unto you. That in the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he said, Take this and eat it. For this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body which is broken for you. It represents the forgiveness of God. When the wrath of God should be upon us, Jesus absorbed the wrath of God upon himself. Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded. I get all choked up when I think about that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised 
our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace, the chastisement of our peace, it set God's heart at peace. When Jesus was beaten, it was enough. It satisfied the righteous demands of the law of God that the soul that sinned should surely die. It was satisfied. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his stripes you were healed. You don't get any clearer than that, the forgiveness of God. Even as God in Christ has forgiven you, so are you to forgive those who've offended you. Whatever the offense is, it doesn't matter. But pastor, you don't know what my daddy did to me. You don't know what that person did to me. You have no idea. You don't know the abuse that I suffered. How can I forgive that person? I trusted them and they betrayed me. Jesus was betrayed by the very ones that he poured his life out for. That's what this represents. The body and the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness. But more than that, it goes much, much deeper than that. <laughs> His forgiveness is so complete that he wants to have covenant with you. Jesus took the cup. He said, take this and drink it. And as you drink it, think. Think about the covenant. I've established with you a covenant of forgiveness, covenant of love and grace. I don't remember your sins no more. You're clean. You're forgiven totally. When we talk about total forgiveness, it doesn't get any more total and complete than what Jesus did at Calvary. So when we come to the Lord's table, come to the table of covenant the covenant of grace and healing and forgiveness Isaiah said though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow forgiveness is totally complete who? me? yes you every one of you every one of you doesn't matter where you've been what you've done the blood of Jesus is enough to wash away and cleanse all your sins past, present, future it's enough it's what communion it's fellowship that we have with him. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, 
a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.